your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solo, like the guy just said. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, if you have if you have questions, I'm going to have Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel on. Talking about schools reopening. We're two days away from uh, classes beginning to reopen. So if you have any questions, concerns, comments, just shoot me a text right now, 608-785-7914, or during the interview, and we'll see if I can read and talk and interview all at the same time, which is probably pretty... uh, Don't hold your breath there. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks play tonight against the New Jersey Nets, or Brooklyn Nets, I should say. James Harden traded to the Nets. It's going to be on WKTY right after the show. Pre-game starts, 6 p.m., 6.30 tip-off. If you want to listen, it's going to be a TNT game as well. So it's always fun to hear the TNT crew after the game talk about that, the game that that, that was on TNT. So that'll be fun. Game's going on all day today. The Packers won. Packers beat the Rams. Wasn't very... Unexpected there, and now they've get the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't know if that's good news or bad news. I think the the Bucks throttled the Packers during the season, so we'll see if that continues. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I will say that uh, over the weekend, if you, I saw a lot of posts about slippery roads, and maybe something we can get into uh, on a different day when I don't have the superintendent on, but did make a drive out to where we go, Viroqua. Kind of in the evening, and then it was it was starting to rain. I was like, "Well, this isn't smart. We're going up and down that giant hill, and it's starting to rain, and the car temperature, you know, the thermometer in the car says thirty degrees." And I'm like, "This just can't. This can't be good." And it got me wondering, like, back in the day, whatever your back in the day was, what was it like driving when it was raining and it was winter and it was thirty degrees? I mean, are we just salting the crap out of the roads now, and we don't really have to worry about that? But on on Saturday, Saturday evening, that wasn't the case. That people got stuck going up and down that hill, uh, coming out of lacrosse, I believe, and just stuck there waiting for cars, waiting for the crews to come salt the road so they could go home. I don't know. I can't remember if the post was I couldn't get up the hill or couldn't get didn't want to go down the hill, right? Because if the the roads glare ice, you don't really want to go down that curvy hill, and. Uh, if the roads glare ice, then you just you just can't get up the hill. I know I parked my car. I got a, a driveway that goes up pretty pretty high. I uh, had to park my car at the bottom of that driveway, and then the next day it all kind of melted. Had to shovel a little bit, but it melted for the most part. If you did your did your work, but uh, yeah, just it got me wondering. And then of course, I so we bypassed the uh, the the slippery roads, got through that, got into town, stopped at a bar to get some takeout. And that was right at the end of the Packer game. I don't know why we decided to go for a drive during the Packer game, but that's fine. Uh, there's too many commercials watching games anyway. Uh, but So walk into the bar to get takeout, and the first thing I saw was a mask hanging on the coat hangers, like the coat little hooks when you walk in. And I was like, well, this isn't a good sign. And then get, get into the bar, and it's packed. It's people shoulder to shoulder watching the Packer game, having a great time, uh, just completely packed in there and of course nobody right like you don't have a mask when you're sitting at the bar but this is kind of the this is where we at with, with this virus um we uh we don't care so 
I just thought it was really weird. We're, we're trying to be safe. We're trying to go, you know, we get mad about, you know, some stores being open, but you got to wear a mask in some stores. But then you go into these tiny bars and this, this bar wasn't even that tiny. It's a pretty big bar, but I mean, just, there was tons of people in there. Nobody's wearing a mask. Everyone's eating, yelling, screaming, cheering for the Packers. Uh, and I stood as far away from all of that waiting for, <laughs> waiting to get my takeout. I didn't want to stand in the entryway because I feel like that's just a small and close space. And I didn't want to stand outside because it was raining. So I was kind of at a crossroads there. Um, so huddled in the corner, waited to get takeout, hood up, mask on, cringing at the <laughs> at the amount of COVID that I imagined was going on in that bar at the time. So yeah, uh, it might be yeah, it might be something we could talk about on a different day. Maybe I sh- I should get my dad uh, on and and ask him about the 1970s. What were roads like? Because you know if you had a maybe you had a four wheel drive truck, and that was fine. But if you had a car, it was rear wheel drive, and it was probably like a a V eight. <laughs> so <laughs> it was probably hard a lot harder to drive uh, in the 70s and 80s. With uh, the muscle cars and rear-wheel drive. And I don't know. Did they salt the crap out of the roads? I just I don't have any experience with that. And I don't remember when I was 16, 20, 20 years old. I don't, I don't remember. That was, uh, you know, right in the mid-90s or late-90s, I should say, when I got my license. Mid-90s. And I just it never, it, I just don't remember what, I, I remember at one point asking a friend, I'm like, hey, it's pretty slippery out here. Is it going to stay like this the whole winter? I just didn't. I had no idea. And he's like, no, eventually they sell the roads and you could drive again. But but I don't remember how quickly that was. But, uh, you know, it just seems like if it's if it's raining and 30 degrees, everybody should stay home. But the, the post that I saw was 50 cars lined up trying to get up or down that hill coming out of lacrosse on the south side, uh, waiting for the salt truck to come drive by. And then <laughs> I've been there with the driveway been there just throwing some salt down and kind of just sit there and wait no don't actually sit there because that would be funny that would be stupid right like sit there and wait for your driveway to to clear off so you can drive it up back up not everyone has this problems so first world problems at that too all right i'm gonna get dr aaron engel on here he's the lacrosse school superintendent a couple of things i want to talk about is reopening right two days away from this first phase of reopening we can talk about how that's going to go um, the school resource officer program again. That seems like the only two things we're gonna we've been talking about when I have had him on. So, and then uh, my third question for him, if we get to it, is there anything else we can talk about? I know there's a building plan in Lacrosse School District. Just kind of went through. Uh, maybe do some building updates and how that will go. Uh, maybe they should have did those building updates already, since there weren't any kids in the classrooms. Right? Uh, <laughs> that would have been a good idea. Although teachers are in the teachers are in their classrooms. I think there a lot of teachers are zooming. Uh, doing Zoom school from class. Uh, But anyway, we got Brad doing the news. We'll be back in just a minute. Dr. Aaron Engel, lacrosse school superintendent, after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get on here. But you're going to have to compete with Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent. He's on with me for the rest of the hour. Uh, How's it going, Dr. Engel? Uh, doing well, and yourself? I always do that. I always say doc. I don't know why, but uh, we've canceled cultured <laughs> educa- educators being called doctor. I don't know if you do that. It's it's a little different, yes. <laughs> um, if you if you read that Wall Street Journal article, I don't know if you heard about that one. We can't. Joe Biden can't can't be called Doctor Biden anymore. 
Yeah, I, I think there's two different degrees in education for, for many doctors. There's the educational doctorate and the um, the doctorate of philosophy. And I think about that one like, uh, you know, there's doctors of pharmacy, doctors of nurse practitioner, lots of different ways to get your doctorate. <laughs> right. so. Don't get your doctorate in communications. I'll tell you that right now. Don't 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 get a journalism <laughs> doctorate. Nobody should do that. Um, all right. So we, we've got, again, I, I, I made this joke earlier in the show. The only things I ever talked to you about since you've taken over the job, essentially, are COVID and the school resource officer program. And maybe that's pro- maybe that's how it should be. And at some point, you know, if those two things kind of, especially COVID, if it goes away, it might be uh, we're in a better situation where I don't have to talk to you at all because it'll just, what are we going to talk about? But, uh, <laughs> b- but I'm sure something will come up. Um, what, what do you see? Obviously, the, the schools reopening is probably the first thing, the most important thing at this point. Uh, you're going to do that starting Wednesday, I believe, and it's just going to be a phased reopening, right? We're just going to bring certain classes back at a, at a time? Yep, that's correct. Starting January 20th, so this Wednesday, we're bringing back our, our kindergarten through second grade students for uh, the rest of the week. And then starting on Monday, we'll be bringing back all students 4K through 5. So our whole elementaries will be back in for the following week. And then in the subsequent week, we'll bring back middle school students and then high school students in the following week. So a phased reopening, uh, make sure that we have the resources and protocols that we need to ensure our students and staff are safe. And when you do that, uh, the students, they won't be in class five days a week, right? Are we doing, because the, you want the classes a little bit smaller. Are we doing, um, I don't know, the the models where you bring bring the students in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like an off day, and then Thursday, Friday. Is that how we're going to do it, or is that something that we do if cases get too hot? Uh, we are starting with a hybrid model like you describe uh, for middle and high school. For elementary school, it will be five days a week um, uh, all day. So for our elementary classroom sizes, they're naturally uh, just a little bit smaller. And so we're able to keep that six feet of distance between kids with the full class coming back. At the middle and high school, the classes tend to be a little bit larger. And so we're not able to keep that six foot of distance um, between students uh, as we start off. So we're starting with a hybrid model initially. Um, there is some evidence out there that maybe three feet is good enough for, for students, but um, we're going to start with six feet and make sure we have that figured out first before we start looking at uh, bringing all back all students back at the same time. Uh, I got a text from Bill, and it, it's a question that I had too. It's just, I'll just say, we'll give Bill credit here. He says, what's changed about the COVID-19 situation that we st- we are still rising in numbers, but now we can open schools? I mean, is it just this point where we can't have kids distance learning anymore? There's a, there's a point, there's a breaking point here, or do you see the numbers at a, at a, at a, at a level where it's fine? Uh, the big difference is what we've learned over the last 10 months, you know, so when, You know, COVID first came onto the scene in March of last year. Um, Our thoughts were that it was a lot like influenza, and so we took lots of the precautions that we would take for influenza. Um, As scientists have learned more and they've tracked how it's spread, and we've just learned a lot. And so the, the new guidance, or the guidance that we've been using since July is from the Harvard Global Health Institute, and they updated their guidance um, just before um, winter break in light of all that we have learned about COVID over the last 10 months. And so their guidance indicates that if we have good infection control measures that we strictly follow, 
six feet of distance, wearing masks, washing our hands, good ventilation. We should be able to safely reopen schools with zero or near zero transmission of COVID at school. That was one of the things you mentioned ventilation there. Were, were any of the schools updated their their ventilation systems? I, I feel like in that in that interim where we didn't have anyone in classes, maybe the the federal government could have d- dished out some some funding to to help schools update that ventilation system. I mean, it would just help in in the long run. I mean, kids, you know, any any other school year, kids are coming to school with maybe the flu or something anyway. Uh, Yeah, we knew that ventilation was an item that we would need to address as we return to reopening. And so we have improved our ventilation uh, in all of our schools over this break. And so we feel confident that we'll meet those uh, six air exchanges per hour as recommended by the Harvard Global Health Institute. What are you doing? Are you just opening the windows in the middle of uh, January or are you doing something else? (laughs) Uh, Opening windows is incredibly effective. Uh, Living in Wisconsin makes it a little harder to do this time of year. Uh, but we're able to increase the return air on our uh, HVAC systems. And then once the weather does turn a little bit better, better opening up doors and windows will be a huge advantage, and we'll, we're hopeful that that'll allow us to maybe uh, bring more kids back more of the time. And then uh, are, you do, are you changing your, uh, your furnace filters every 10 days or something instead of every 30 days, those little square filters? <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some filters you can get, actually, that uh, help uh, remove particles, uh, I think MERV 11 filters. Um, they also reduce the, the capacity of your airflow, so that's something we're still weighing. But, um, you know, in places that are particularly cramped, you can get HEPA filters and other things. You know, so there's a variety of strategies schools have used based on the, the capacity of their, their uh, HVAC systems. Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engels joining us. If you have questions, text me, 608 608- Seven eight five seven nine one four. Um, so okay, so the cases today, uh, Lacrosse had fifty three, um, averaging forty three a day. A week ago, that was sixty seven. So we've seen quite a drop, in, even in the last week. As we get to, are you paying attention to, to the case count quite a bit, or, or, or is the the what Harvard has told you, um, it's just a matter of of being safe at this point. Uh, we still pay attention to the case count. You know, we're, we have a commitment to ensuring community health as well as the health in our school buildings. Um, but based on what we've learned, um, even with higher rates of, of COVID, we should be able to safely reopen our schools. How do, how do parents, uh, how, I'm sure you've gotten, how, how do parents address this situation with you? You've probably gotten comments from every end of the spectrum on it. Yeah, um, you know, there's lots of parents who are super excited about us reopening and can't wait to get their kids back in school. There's also some parents that are super nervous and have some legitimate health concerns or have, you know, multi-generational families and are worried about their the grandparents that live with them. Um, one of the things I think that has limited some of those complaints uh, in our school district is that we started the Cooley Region Virtual Academy, an all-online school. And so we've when we made the announcement to come back to in-person schooling, we had uh, a little bit of um, transmission, or not transmission, but enrollment and disenrollment from the Cooley Region uh, Virtual Academy. So we had, you know, about 70 students want to go into the academy and about 70 want to go out. So it was about a wash. But um, we've been accommodating to parents who, you know, have their concerns, and we've tried to alleviate them as, as best we can.
our parents are still able to, to I, I think I read that somewhere that it's it's closed for the semester or full. Our parents still are, is it, if anyone doesn't want their child to go into the classroom, is there options for them? Um, we do have waiting lists in some cases based on uh, class sizes. We, we had an enrollment period where we, you know, asked parents to, to make a decision. Unfortunately, it closed kind of just prior to us making this decision to come back in person. So we've been as accommodating as possible, but in a, a couple of cases, we do need uh, to have some waiting lists. Okay. So, so some parents might, what, what would you suggest parents do if they don't want their kid going to the classroom, um, but they can't get into the virtual academy? What have you told those parents? Um, so far, we've been able to accommodate every parent uh, for an in-person uh, classroom. Uh, unfortunately, in some cases, the, the home uh, boundary school that they would have gone to typically uh, has been full. You know, we can't put extra kids in classrooms in this case because we need to maintain that social distancing. But we have been able to find a place in another school building. So we've been accom- able to accommodate most every parent in that regard. All right. And then on the flip side, uh, people always worried about parents and, and their living situation. But there's teachers in this this uh, you know aspect, too. And have you had some teachers that that don't that that want to that don't want to teach in classrooms and and is there an avenue for them do they just go and teach virtually then or, or how do you accommodate those so early on with the Cooley Region Virtual Academy you know we needed teachers to teach online for the whole year and you know we sought out uh, volunteers and some of those volunteers are our teachers who had some health concerns and so we've been able to accommodate a lot of our teachers that way you know, there are some teachers who are in positions that, you know, there just wasn't an option, you know, to teach online. Uh, and so we've been working closely with any employee, you know, who's got a, a concern and trying to, to find a way to accommodate that however we can. Has there been quite a few teachers that, that are concerned or is most everybody excited to have the, the students back in class? Uh, there's been a handful of people with concerns. You know, there's people with some really serious medical issues, and we've been trying to closely work with them. There's others that are just nervous and, you know, want to make sure that everything is as safe as possible. Um, but I would say the, you know, the general sentiment is where people are excited to come back and, and work with kids, and we just want to make sure that we have the safety protocols in place to uh, ensure everyone's safe. That's Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. He's going to join us for the next half of the show. If you have questions, 608-785-7914. I see a couple of people texting me. I'll read those in a minute. we got to stop for a couple minutes here. Brad doing the news, but up before that, Scott's comment. We'll be back after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, uh, shoot me a text, 608-785-7914. Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent, uh, back with us. Uh, we're talking about reopening schools, which happens on Wednesday. Uh, biggest question you get from from uh, from parents, Engel, when when we're talking about getting back into the classroom, is is there one overlying theme? Um, I would think the largest question is probably just resolves around like what are the safety protocols that are going to be in place, you know, so. We've got very detailed, you know, pickup drop-off times, and we've got uh, procedures for playgrounds and for cafeterias, and so it's really just helping parents understand the myriad um, safety precautions we have in place to ensure that uh, our kids are able to be at school safely. 
how much harder will it be? You know, we talk about teachers, parents, students. How much harder will these the things be for maybe the lunch staff, the the custodial staff, stuff like that, people like that? Yeah, I think it's a it's a big shift. Things are are, are definitely different, uh, and I think everybody's had to make accommodations and change how they've done business. Our lunch staff has been absolutely incredible since we started um, distributing, you know, for our remote learning. <laughs> the the changes that they've had to adapt to have been just monumental, from packing together lunches for daily, for weekly. Uh, for pickups and now transitioning back into the classroom or to the, the school buildings while still helping facilitate some of those uh, pickups and deliveries. You know, so I think every one of our employees has to, to really shift how they think about their job and the, the work that they do. Yeah, the, the the lunch crew, my mom was a lunch lady, so I I know all about extra potatoes. Always got an extra scoop of the, the, the ice cream <laughs> scoop of potatoes when I was in uh, high school. Um but yeah, the, the, this might not be that big of a change for the lunch crew, right? Because they've been they've been working the whole time. But now that there's going to like even getting lunch will be a little bit different, right? Yeah, we're trying to to keep distancing, you know, between students. So you know, you used to imagine like that line bunched up down the hallway. Where, you know, we're trying to keep people separated, uh, trying to uh, eliminate you know any sort of contamination or anything. So it's just a different environment and, and trying to to keep kids. Uh, and our staff safe through this whole period. For the middle and high school, though, there will be you know half as many students in the building, so that'll help alleviate some of that crowding and tension. Yeah, the the, the one thing I, I and I said that at the beginning of the show because I, I I got takeout right at the end of the Packer game, so I walked into a bar and it was jam packed with people without masks, and there was one I, one lonely mask hanging on the coat coat bar, and there were no coats, just one lonely mask. I thought that was kind of a symbol <laughs> of where we're at in society. Um, but this is the the one place where students will be they'll take their masks off because they'll be wearing masks the rest of the day. Um, this is the one place where you know that that whole the mask situation comes into play. Absolutely. We'll be you know uh, ensuring that students keep that six feet of distance at the the lunch tables and uh, working with them to ensure that they they all stay safe. and uh, it'll definitely be an area of a, a little bit of risk, but you got to take it off to eat. you got to eat to be at school all day. so. Uh, it's a, an appropriate risk, and based on the research that uh, you know Harvard compiled, you know as long as you put in those basic precautions, you know we shouldn't see transmission at school. All right, Dan's calling in. He's got a question. Uh, it's called the Construction Academy. A little bit out of my ballpark here, but I think he knows what he's talking about, and and you're going to be able to answer him. So I'll just let you two go at it. Uh, Dan, go ahead. You're on with Dr. Aaron Engel, lacrosse school superintendent. Uh, good evening. Doctor, I guess my first question, are you familiar with what the Construction Academy is? I am familiar with it. I know a little bit about it, yes. So this whole thing has been uh, concerned about social distancing and keeping your distances uh, away from other classmates. The Construction Academy, the whole purpose of it, I believe, is to get students out in the field, outdoors, on job sites, and give them experience working on different projects. Is that correct? Uh, yep, that is our goal with that program. As far as I know, I know they work closely with Western Technical College to to get um, instruction and practical experience and then to get out into job sites to do the job in real life. Now, in lacrosse, you can go to an outdoor area and get alcohol and get food. That seems to be okay in the city of lacrosse. If you go to some of these outdoor dining and 
drinking places. Now, the, the Construction Academy, I believe the students are required to furnish their own transportation to the job site. Uh, they're outdoors. There's a small amount of students in the group. I know three of them in La Crosse that currently hold part-time jobs, uh, one at Walmart, one at Quick Trip, and one at a hardware store. I guess my question is, why are they being held back? Why can't they go and participate in this class um, as soon as school's back in session when the big concern here is social distancing? And if there is a concern with the kids getting sick, why aren't the parents allowed to sign some type of waiver to allow these students to get back in school? I really think a lot of these students are being shortchanged on education in the sense that virtual learning works great for many of these students. That's fine. But virtual learning is a terrible way to learn for many of the students also. And I keep wondering why the lacrosse School District is dragging their feet and not looking at some of these special circumstances. The kids can go uh, practice sports. I mean, basketball's back on, right? They're practicing, are they not? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. There are some classes for which online learning simply is not, you know, definitely a subpar experience. And certainly the Construction Academy is one of those where you need that hands-on, you know, physical experience in order to really understand the craft and, and understand the material. And uh, I know that we have developed protocols and practices in collaboration with WTC. And uh, as we return to in-person learning and um, uh, kind of go through our, our procedures for what's safe and what isn't, I am certain that we'll be reevaluating the Construction Academy as well. Uh, you're right, we're able to uh, practice and feel like we can do that safely. There's certainly room to consider that for our Construction Academy and some of those other hands-on classes as well. So are the sports teams uh, having organized practices right now? Yep, they are. They're uh, practicing and season, I guess so. what's the holdup with getting these kids back in school before the middle of February? Um, so our commitment has been to um, return to uh, co-curricular activities when we felt that we were able to uh, safely hold in-person courses for at least our elementary students. And so with the new Harvard Global Health Institute's guidance, uh, we, we got that go-ahead, so to speak. However, we had committed to uh, virtual instruction through the end of the semester. And so the next semester starts here on the 20th. Uh, and then as we return to in-person instruction, um, we have to ensure that our transportation, our food service, our substitute teaching pool is all capable of handling this return. And so we're in the process of rolling out um, in-person instruction in that phased approach for the next couple of weeks. All right. Thanks for the call, Dan. Yeah, it just sounds like uh, it'll be the next step, right? You, you, you're almost taking baby steps here into reopening. And um, and, and I think sports takes uh, – a, a lot of people might care too much about sports, but it's one of those things like, okay, well, you know, this is kind of an outlet too for, for children, uh, the, the idea of, of playing sports, I guess. Yeah, in the, the sports environment and uh, some of our other co-curriculars, it's a much more controlled environment than even like than an entire high school. Uh, so we're able to put in different levels of safety protocols. Uh, coaches and advisors have, um, you know, stronger controls over students uh, the entire time that they're there. Uh, it's more similar to an elementary environment in a lot of ways in terms of the safety protocols and things that you can put in place.
All right, we're speaking with Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. Uh, spent most of the time here talking about schools reopening, which happens in a phase. Uh, so by in three weeks, we'll have everyone back in school, right? About three weeks. That's correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, high school students, and and we're, we're going to start with the littles and and move to the bigs, essentially. Um, yeah, and sports are sports are back. Uh, is is the big difference there, right? They're they're wearing masks while playing sports, right? Or am I wrong there? I guess I haven't. I didn't watch our our video feed the other day to see if everyone had a mask on. Yep, that's correct. Wearing masks during practices and during competitions uh, the entire time that they're there on site. Um, and then, uh, so moving away from from the COVID situation, unless and people can still text me six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four if they have a question. But uh, the the other big thing that we always talk about is the school resource officer program. The Lacrosse School Board made their decision. Uh, was it was it just a couple of weeks ago? I believe two weeks ago. And yep. and and that decision is. You know, they make their decision, and then you have to take what they said and all the all the research and and that you you've been provided and, and have been doing, and then you make the final decision, right? Uh, yeah, the school board voted to accept the report, uh, which was uh, a green light um, to me to follow through on the recommendations of that report. So we're working with the the cross police department. We're working with our staff uh, to develop the. Uh, the strategies and solutions that were identified from that report. And the school resource officer program, I believe there's five school resource officers and then there's a, there's a dare officer. I think, so maybe there's six. Do you know, I I never see what happened. What happens to the dare officer? Uh, That uh, position is still in place. It wasn't funded through uh, the school district. And so we're still working with the police department on that, uh, that program. Yeah. Cause I, I, I could imagine that maybe the dare officer comes and does a talk about drugs every once in a while. So what harm would that be to have them uh, come in special? But the, the idea here is you're going to phase it out over two years um, from five. Uh, will it be next? No, this summer. So next school, next school year, it'll be three officers. And then the next school year, it'll be two but also, there won't be officers physically in the schools at all? Um, there, uh, officers will be physically in the schools when, uh, when needed. So if we have calls and there's things to investigate, you know, we'll have officers there to, to take care of those legal issues as they come up. Um, our goal really is to work on our own practices as a school district to uh, prevent the need for a police officer in the first place, you know, to adjust our disciplinary practices, to put into place proactive social services so that over time that need for law enforcement decreases. Uh, for the time being, we have to, you know, still work closely with law enforcement to, and, and you know, for forever probably there will be a need for uh, law enforcement to come in and address issues that are either required by law or so significant that it requires a, a legal response. What's the difference between having a school resource officer, a quote-unquote school resource officer, not in the building but on what is he on call? Is he outside the building? Is he in a little hut outside and just having a regular police called uh, because you have an issue at the school? Um, I think the difference is the, the specialization. So when you have a, an identified person who is trained to do with juvenile issues, who has a unique background and understanding and, and a unique demeanor, then when an incident does happen, uh, the right person is showing up who, who knows how to to address student issues. All right. And then that person will just, they'll be at the department. They'll just be on call or they'll be doing regular police work. And if they get called, they'll run in. Um, so our initial assessment showed that about 
40 to 60 percent of um, arrests and citations probably fell in a, a discretionary category. And so as we reduce that number of, of, of calls on, on those things, um, we'll have less of a need for law enforcement. However, that other 40 to 60 percent will still be there. And so um, with fewer officers, their uh, time will be occupied in the same way it's traditionally been. So they'll still need to be responding to calls and you know, hopefully over time that, that's less and less, but at least initially we imagine that, you know, they'll have work to do in each building and they'll rotate through them and, and they'll be um, uh, highly employed uh, working on student issues. How many calls would you say, do you have this number in your head, like that that where police are needed at, I don't know if it's per, like a day or a week or any, any idea there? Um, I, I think ballpark it was you know somewhere in the two to four hundred range um you know at the high school level um, that's over the course of a a school year okay i was gonna say that's a lot in a week (laughs) yeah yeah no no over over the course of a school year so on a given day there's probably one to two things that um you know required a a law enforcement response historically um uh, maybe a few more and so you know, over time, as we reduce that, the, that need will decrease for a physical presence there. Yeah, and then 200 to 400 sounds a lot if it was just, say, Logan High School, but it's a, a whole bunch of a bunch of schools combined. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, even, you know, one of our high schools is about 1,000 kids. You know, stuff comes up over the course of a year. Things happen. You know, our schools are a reflection of our communities, and the stuff that happens in our communities comes into our schools. And so... You know, if there's uh, something that happens between adults out in our community, that often gets brought back into school the next day. And, you know, maybe it's not a a, a law enforcement response towards that student, but a police officer may have to investigate this adult issue that comes into our schools as a result. And so, you know, our law enforcement officers, our SROs, are dealing with all sorts of issues that are, are complicated and and deal with our community as well as our, our students. I forget how many how many schools is under the uh, Lacrosse School District umbrella. Uh, we have fifteen school buildings. Okay, and and would you say a lot of those calls are are, are more for older kids or, or or students? I always say kids, but older students are are, are the elementary kids getting in a lot of of of, of fights that need uh, the police. Rarely are elementary students. Those aren't uh, <laughs> calls for very much. But, you know, on occasion, there's issues that, that show up there as well. Uh, you know, there's some tragic things that happen in our community that require mandatory reporting, and a law enforcement agent might have to show up at an elementary. But the majority are at the, the middle and high school level. All right. And then you, you mentioned this, but we didn't. We got a couple minutes here. But uh, the, a shift in disciplinary and uh, support practices, can you, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, right now the, our disciplinary rates kind of mirror our arrest rates where um, our out-of-school suspensions are higher than other similar-sized schools and other school districts with similar characteristics. Uh, and um, there's lots of reasons why that might be, but it's something that we really need to investigate. And uh, one of the ways that we can address some of that is through restorative practices. It's uh, something that we already partner with the YWCA for our middle schools, and that helps alleviate some of that punitive discipline. And so we're looking to expand that uh, into our high schools and in other ways. 
and uh, kind of continue reinventing how we think about discipline and how we help students get what they need to be successful at school. Um, part of this uh, scaling back of the school resource officer program too is the the contract is I believe around two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's gonna it's gonna drop by one hundred fifty a hundred thousand dollars the next year and and maybe fifty thousand dollars the year after that. Hopefully, I guess you'll have to negotiate that with the police. But um, it, does that funding? Do you get to retain that funding and and use it for like social workers and 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 other counselors to kind of alleviate the you know the police don't have to be the counselor anymore. You can actually bring in other counselors. Yeah, so our plan is to shift those resources to proactive social services. So we know that sometimes the reason students get involved with law enforcement is they have needs at home or needs in our community or needs at school. And so if we're able to provide resources that help those students get what they need in advance, uh, the thought is then that it won't turn to a criminal issue. And so we're looking at um, you know, hiring social services, uh, uh, social workers, uh, counselors. We're examining a, a wide range of options to, to figure out how we can best support students so that the need for law enforcement doesn't even arise. And will, that, will there be a whole bunch of hoops to jump through to, to get funding for that because you, you take that funding from police? I, I don't, I'm not sure. Can you just shift that funding to, to uh, these social services or not? Um, so the, the funding for our, our SROs comes out of Fund 80, which is a community services fund. And so there's some stipulations on how we can spend that money. So it isn't as easy as, you know, necessarily just shifting the funding over to something else. We have to make sure that with whatever we shift that funding to social workers or counselors, that it still meets those criteria for Fund 80. And there's lots of options within that, but there are some restrictions on what we can do. And I mean, we're we're seven months away from from kind of the, the, the scaling back the school. Re- we're, we're bringing kids back in the school now. We're seven months away from shifting those officers from five to three. Uh, how how far along have you got into uh, figuring out what you're going to do with social workers? Um, we've started those initial conversations. You know, as we imagine some things back in November and December, and we're working through what those options might be now. We want to bring in some, you know, community groups and, and talk through some ideas with some various uh, entities, and then, you know, we got to look at, you know, potential collaborations with the county, uh, human service, or yeah, human services department, and some other things. So, you know, we've started those conversations. We're in the process. You know, if it involves hiring people, we hope to be able to do that. You know, by June. By June. All right, uh, Dr. Aaron Engel, Lacrosse Schools Superintendent. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. See ya. Bye. All right, that's going to do it. One more quick break. We'll wrap up after this. All right, that's going to do it for Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks to Dr. Aaron Engel for joining us. All right, thanks everyone for listening.